Let me begin with a word of prayer. God, we are so weak and frail. We are so limited. We are so dependent. So we come to you, we look to you, and we come to your word now and just ask for you to speak to us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to encourage us for the day and for uh, all that you have for us as a result of just looking at these few verses together. God, we trust that you will speak. Let us listen and learn in Christ's name. Amen. If anyone has the choice between making a decision that is wise or unwise, your sane person chooses the way that is wise. But what is wisdom when it comes to that can, that can be gathered within us, that can, that can be pursued in many different ways? What is wisdom? Well, we're going to learn today from our passage in Psalm 119 about a wisdom that is from the Word of God that, that actually causes us, as we discover it, as we um, know it, and as we see the, the fruit of it, it causes us to love God's Word. Not just superficially, but to truly love it. And we'll see in a very dramatic way. Psalm 119, I just ask you to open your Bibles and follow along with me. Verses 97 through 104. This is God's word. It says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. That final line in verse 104 of this stanza here is a great summary of what he's just unpacked in the verses previous. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You can begin to see how that is unpacked in the verses before, how it summarized what has gone on in the verses before. But what you also notice is this passage here is bookended with verse 97 having a love and verse 104 having a hatred. But you see in the middle this, this great mix of all that we have that is flowing from, that, that is seen in this love of the word of God. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. And when it says law, it doesn't just mean the rules. It means the entirety of the scriptures, the promises, the warnings, the laws indeed, the historical account of what God has done. I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Well, why will we love the law? Why should we love the law? Why should we love the word of the Lord more? Truly love it, have affection for it, cherish it, admire it, pursue it. Listen to it. 
Why should we love the Word of God? Well, because it gives us a wisdom that is above any other wisdom. And this wisdom that as we meditate and memorize, as the Spirit internalizes the Word, this wisdom leads to satisfaction and an in right living. This wisdom, as we meditate and memorize, leads to satisfaction in right living. That's why we love the law. That's why we love His Word. Because as it's internalized in us, and, and as God Himself teaches us, as we'll see, it begins to satisfy us and sanctify us. It does those things for us, and what more should we want as people who want to uh, grow in our relationship with God and, and, and be more satisfied in life. Everyone wants to be satisfied. Everyone wants to be content. We pursue it in a million wrong ways. But here, there's this great joy, something that we can love because of what it, God uses it and how God uses it to produce in us uh, a real transformation. So, uh, sorry, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if we're not to be fools, we don't despise wisdom or instruction. But we begin, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so, well, how are you going to fear the Lord? How are you going to revere the Lord? How are you going to know how to respect God properly if you don't know Him? If you've not understood how he's revealed himself through the word, not through space and not through the trees. Like, let's have some solidified truth, not through what you're feeling, but through the truth, the unchanging, unshaking, solid rock that we looked at last week. This is the word that is trustworthy and true. This is the beginning of knowledge as we as we fear the Lord that we love from this word. You see the bookends, 97. I love the law, and then it has the complete contrast, which must follow, is 104. Therefore, I hate every false way. If I love God's law, I must hate every false way. And so the more I love God's law, the more I'm going to hate falsehood, because God's law is truth. God's law is life. And so as the more he teaches me that, the more I'm going to hate that which leads me away from God. I'm going to hate that which takes me from this word. I'm going to hate that which contradicts this word in my own life and in the world. I don't want anything to do with it because it's not true or satisfying. So you see this bookend. I, I love this law. I love your words. And, and he, he kind of expresses a bit of his love and kind of what the love of the word produces there in verse 103 about the sweetness of his words. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey in my mouth. And what we're going to discover is he's, he's doing this comparison of Things that are earthly, things that are, um, yeah, worldly, and, and 
and the Word of God. They're, they're in complete contrast. And so he says, the things of this world, the things that you can experience and know, and, and this one of the sweetest things is this, this pure sweetness of honey. He says, but the Word of God is sweeter than that. It's in a different class of that. It is sweeter to me than honey in my mouth. Your words are sweet and satisfying to my taste. The more I taste the more I know that it is good and I'm satisfied. This is the law. This is the word that I love. And so this word then, because it is lovely, it should be two things to us. It should be meditated upon and memorized. And only then does it begin to internalize and satisfy us. Does it begin to Teach us and, and gain for us the wisdom that we need to be those who are wise. You see, look at verse 97. It says, it is my meditation all the day. And then he says uh, in 98, it, it makes me wiser than my enemies for it is ever with me. Well, how is it ever with you? Um, you either carry your Bible in your hand or you carry it in your heart. The Bible should be always, ever with you. So verse 97 has meditation, that is chewing on the Word of God, dissecting it. As Martin Luther says, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, what we should do as people who read the Word of God is at every verse we should stop and shake the branch to see if some fruit will come out for us. We meditate all the day long, take a verse and shake it until you get something sweet from it and some sort of uh, a benefit from it. Maybe it's a warning. It's not always going to be, uh, you know, peaches and, and cream. and It's not always going to be this wonderful encouragement where you just feel like in, in an ecstasy or just euphoric. That's not what it means to be satisfied or even to get something out of our Bible reading. It doesn't always mean that it's going to give me some just incredible, uh, miraculous comfort in whatever situation. Not always. Sometimes the Word of God, as we shake it, as we meditate upon it, is going to make us uncomfortable. And it's going to warn us, and it's going to tell us we're wrong. And we need that, too. That's good for us. So, 97, he meditates. 98, it is ever with me. Again, in 99, meditation. He says, for I more understand all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Again, we know, if you know uh, any time that a solid Christian should talk about meditation, we know it's not about emptying ourselves. It's not about an emptiness of mind. It's not about focusing on nothing. It is about um, fixating on something and not emptiness and not our breathing uh, meditation is about fixing our mind on what God has said, what God intends to say, on the words that God has spoken to us. That's meditating. It is, it is taking what God has said and chewing on it and chewing on it until you get it, until you're so focused that, that maybe whatever concern you had or whatever you're going through, you're just meditating on God's word and, and those things are not taking over your mind and your life, but instead you're able to chew up a word, a verse, a passage, an account. 
That's what it means to meditate. It means to chew on it, to, to understand what God meant to the original hearers, and to understand how that, that means for Christians, what it means for non-Christians. How, how does it display who God is? What does it tell me about what I'm like? What does it tell me about the urgency of eternity? What does it tell me about faith or, or my faith in Jesus? What does this tell me? That's what it means to meditate upon the Word of God. And it's through this meditation that we begin by God's grace, to gain wisdom. He gives us wisdom as he, as he speaks to us through that time of chewing on what he has already spoken. And not just meditation, but memorization of keeping the word of God ever with us. We are fortunate in our country that we can carry our Bibles at our side all day if we wanted to, without ridicule, without someone snatching it from us or saying that's illegal. We have that freedom to carry the word of God physically with us. We also have the freedom, even if that's taken away, and our brothers and sisters across the world have felt this, that you have the freedom to take the word of God with you in your heart, as we should. As we should, the word of God should be ever with us. The wisdom that we're, we're going to need to live a life that is this righteous path, this path that is right, needs to come from the Word of God. We can't just stir up worldly wisdom. We do not want it. We want to reject worldly wisdom. And we do that by beginning to be intentional ourselves. Say, this law, this Word is lovely. And, and it gives wisdom. And I want that wisdom. I want to walk in the ways that God would have me go. How do I do that? Meditate and memorize. Meditate and memorize. We want this wisdom. This wisdom that he says, it makes him, verse 98, wiser than his enemies. And then 99, more understanding than all of his teachers. And 100, more understanding more than the aged or his elders. The, the enemies, the teachers, the aged, he says, these people in this reference are people who have worldly wisdom. He says, I'm wiser than them. You know, enemies here in verse 98, enemies are often very crafty, right? They are very smart. They do have a lot of, of scheming and, and seeming wisdom in order to figure out the best way to go. There's a lot of wisdom in the enemies, they're crafty. We know the devil himself is a schemer and a liar, and he masquerades himself to appear like something that might be good or something that might be uh, even Christian-like. And he's just going to lead people astray subtly so that they don't think, well, they're not a big warning bell. You know, if, he, if, if you were convinced, if someone told you, oh, here's actually the real truth, you have to reject Jesus, and that's how you get to heaven, you're going to know right away that's falsehood. And you're going to damn that person and you're, and you're not going to listen to them. But the enemy is crafty. He, he wants you to, you know, go for the people who, who, are, who are real nice. They're, they're genuine. They, they seem real heartfelt. They have a, a real peaceable message. They're, they seem like Jesus. They're gentle and, and kind. And, but they're not ever going to talk about repentance. But hey, you, you might not even notice. And they're going to talk about just being a better person. And you know that the you know, the gospel does transform you. So you think, hey, this is all good and all true. But it's a lie. And, and the devil has done that because he's a schemer. And so the enemy, the ultimate enemy, but, but also just the enemies, the people who have worldly wisdom are quite wise. We recognize that. 
But that wisdom won't last. And that wisdom, it, you know, it fades and, and they got to come up with a new scheme and a new scheme and a new scheme. Unlike the, the wisdom that comes from the word, which is with him forever, with David, with us forever, not only internalized in our hearts, but also it's lasting. The wisdom does not change. It is not like it needs to change with the times. So this wisdom that is wiser than the wisdom of the world in the, the enemy, the craftiness. But also here it says that the teachers that can know and communicate many facts. He says, um, I have more understanding than all of my teachers. They may be really smart intellectual people. They may have a 10 PhDs in whatever. But David here says to them, because all of their wisdom is worldly wisdom, I actually have more understanding than them. I am wiser than them. And the elders, the, the aged, have a lot of experiential wisdom. They've gone through, they've seen it all, they've, they've learned from their life. And so they have this wisdom, this, this old person wisdom. And he says, even them. He says, I understand more than them. If they've lived an entire life, they might have real great advice about, you know, how to not argue with your spouse or how to save money or how to, you know, do your garden. But in the end, all of their wisdom added up combined is nothing to the wisdom that God provides because their wisdom is worldly wisdom. Experiential wisdom of the aged is sometimes detrimental. I had a uh, experienced, aged, um, elderly, retired pastor tell me one time uh, when it came to my views on my biblical views on human sexuality, God's view on marriage and, and human sexuality, he said, you know what, I, I, I feel like the, the more you experience and the older you get, um, you're, you're going to understand that the Bible doesn't mean that. Or, or even what the Bible has said can't hold true. And so the more you're experienced, if you're like me and you've seen many people and you've kind of gone through this, then that, that wisdom is going to help you see this differently. It's going to help you see human sexuality differently. And I said to him, I said, pray for me that that never happens. Pray for me that I don't get so experienced in this life and with worldly wisdom that I neglect the wisdom of God. Pray that that would never happen. But here's the thing. There, there's many enemies who are crafty. There are many teachers with lots of facts. There's many aged with all the experience. But if it's worldly wisdom... It appears to be wise. Jesus says in Matthew 16, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world but loses his soul? What does it profit you if you gain all this wisdom from experience and facts and all the, the, the schemes that you can figure out, all the things to do? What does that gain you if you've gained it all but you lose your soul? Because you're not walking in a way that is God's way. There is a way that seems right to a man. It's not God's way. It's not God's way. And so here David says, well, I have there, this thing that I've gained. This wisdom is a, greater than my enemies. I have more understanding than my teachers. I understand more than the aged. And it's an understanding that leads to the path of life that we all want to be on. A path to pursue what matters is not the wisdom of the world. What matters is the path of life. It's how that life is lived out. The way or the place your wisdom will lead you. 
Where is that wisdom taking you? That, that wisdom, no matter how crafty or learned or experienced you are, if it doesn't lead you in the right path, it is useless. The wisdom of the Bible leads us in a way of righteousness, the narrow way. It leads us and it brings us to an end of ourselves. The, the wisdom of the Bible brings us to an end of ourselves. It sees, it shows us, as we learn it, it, it tells us, and it, God shows us that we can't trust ourselves. We can't trust our hearts. We can't trust our warped feelings. We can't trust our own trying to do good things. We can't trust ourselves. That's the way of true wisdom it leads us to an end for ourselves. It leads us to an end of anything earthly in us. It leads us to an end of sin. We, we begin to see sin for what it is. It exposes us and we begin to hate it. And we know it and we want to flee from it. Worldly wisdom does not teach you that. It tells you to embrace that. But the wisdom of the Bible leads you on a different way, a different path of righteousness, uh, an end of earthly wisdom. And, and it also brings an end to Worldly wisdom, maybe religion, an end of religion. All that, you know, these people, the aged, the, the experienced can, can, and the learned can come up and come up with an idea of, you know, how it is. If we just put our minds together, we can attain uh, righteousness or we can get to God. You know, if we can just put together all of our wisdom, we can build this tower and we'll reach the heavens. Well, it seemed wise to them. But in the end, you see how foolish it is. But that's, that's world religion. Religions just try to build these blocks and say, if we can just do this and do that and do this and do that, we'll get to God. But the wisdom of the Bible teaches us that that has to be torn down. That that tower's got to come down. The wisdom of the Bible teaches us there's an end of ourselves, an end of our earthly desires, and an end of our worldly wisdom in religion. The wisdom of the Bible leads us on a path of repentance, of turning from the, the ways that we once trusted and turning to Jesus. That's the path of wisdom that the Bible leads us on. It says, you are broken and sinful and you can't fix it. You can't make it better. You can't even cover it up. The Bible leads us in a path of wisdom that says, but there is a way. And Jesus says, I'm the way the truth, and the life. If you want to come, if you want to be made right, if you want to be forgiven, you come through me, and I will take your yoke upon me. I will take your sin. I'll take your foolish decisions. I'll take your shame, and I will deal with it before God so that on the other side of your believing and trusting in me, you, you, you're new. And you don't need to trust in the wisdom of the world, but you look to me and what I have said. I'm the way, so follow me. Follow me, Jesus says. There's this way. This way. It's the way that brings an end to the world. It's a way that brings repentance in us and a way that leads to Jesus. The entire way of the Bible, every page of the Bible is pointing to the way. One way, a path of righteousness. And it's not our own. It's through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That's the way that the wisdom of the Bible takes us through this one narrow path. And this is the path then that leads us to love the law. 
It leads us to a satisfaction in the law because of all that it has manifested to us about Jesus and about our brokenness, but his beauty. This is the path that we want to be on. And this path leads us then also not just to a love, but to a hatred. A hatred of everything that that lies to us. Everything that keeps us from God. Everything that robs him of the glory that he deserves, of of the praise and affection that he deserves in our own lives and in the world. It leads us to a hatred of those things. That's the path of wisdom of the Bible. It leads us to this, oh, how I love this law says, based on all of this wisdom, this wisdom that, that God gives, it says in verse 101 and 102, it leads to a different way of life. I do not turn aside from your rules. Sorry, that was verse 102. Verse 101 is, I hold back my feet from every evil way. I keep your word. So not just do I restrain myself from evil, but I, I pursue holiness. I, I, I'm doing that. that. That's produced in me. That is the fruit in me of this biblical wisdom is turning from evil, repenting, and pursuing obedience. That's the sanctification part. He gives us satisfaction, but he also gives us sanctification. That is the change that we see in us. Restraint from evil, pursuit of good. I do not turn aside from your rules. He says, verse 102, in Psalm 119, verse 9, earlier we looked at a verse 9 that said, how can a young man keep his way pure? When you think about the way that is pure, the way that is right, and it says, it concludes by keeping it, by keeping his way according to your word. This is the way of purity. This is the way of righteousness. This is the way of the godly. Proverbs 1, verse 10 gives a warning. It says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't consent. And here it says, I hold back my feet from evil ways. I don't turn aside from your rules. I'm not going to consent to the wisdom of the world, especially when it's contrary to the word of God. I won't. I will not. I refuse. I'm going to read for you Proverbs 2, verses 6 to 15. A great passage about wisdom. Listen so carefully to what it says. Proverbs 2, verses 6 to 15. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield To those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints, then you will understand the paths of righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, 
who forsake the paths of the uprighteous to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing uh, evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. God, through his wisdom, will deliver you. I love, I love what that says about what God does. God does. Here you see, in verse 102, I, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. God, as our teacher. God is the one who will correct us. God as the one who will show us the way that is right. God as the one who is transforming our moral compass to be more aligned with what is right and what is good. He is the one who is guarding us. He's watching over our ways. He's giving us understanding to the good path. He's giving us wisdom and knowledge that will be pleasant to our soul. This is God who will watch over you, who will guard you, who will deliver you. This is the God who is teaching you. And he teaches you through his word. That's why, again, we meditate and we memorize. That's why we meditate and memorize it. Because God, by it, guards us. He teaches us. He satisfies us. He's a great teacher. Oh, how we love his law. Through your precepts, 104 says, through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. I love your way, God, and I hate the false way. The question is to you and to me is like, do, do we know the way? Not just the way through Jesus, yes, but then what that looks like. How does Jesus transform us? How does he call us to respond when things don't go our way? How are we to respond when someone um, takes advantage of us? How are we to respond when, when um, life throws us a real loop? That God allows for us to go through a real trial that we never thought we would experience. The Bible teaches us the way of wisdom in those things. And so the question is, well, do we know it? Have we taken the time to, to learn it from God? To be taught by God? To, to meditate? To memorize? And to seek his wisdom and not the, the wisdom of the world. Yes, there are some great things that we can learn from people who don't even love God. Because God has given them a brain and, and given them abilities. But let us never be those who replace God's wisdom with the world's wisdom. Or God's way with the world's way. Oh, how we love his law. Do we love his law? John Calvin says, If any person boasts that he loved the divine law and yet neglects the study of it and, and applies his mind to other things, he betrays the grossest hypocrisy. He says, A good man, wherever he goes, carries his Bible along with him, if not in his hand, yet in his head and in his heart. May that be true of you and me, that we be people who carry our Bible so that we may gain a heart of wisdom, so that we may please him, we may be satisfied in him, we may have this wisdom that is going to guard us from our enemies, from those who are smarter than us, from those who have more experience than us. Let our wisdom be biblical wisdom, and, and, and so much so with, with the humility that comes with it too.
that we are not puffed up with pride because of our knowledge. We are not proud because of our experience. We're not proud because of our craftiness. We're humbled because we're so dependent on being taught by God. Let us be people who carry this word, who carry it with us and love it. Do you love the law of God? Let's pray. God, your word is lovely. And it is so good for us, and yet so often we don't know the treasure and the value of it because we may read it at a surface level. We don't spend time to meditate, or we don't take the the difficult time to memorize. But God, we pray that you would, even in small ways, that you would transform us. That yes, you satisfy us through your word because it teaches us the end of ourself and the, and the, the joy in Jesus. But more than that, sanctify us through your word. Show us the way that is right and keep us on it as you uh, let your word implant itself deep down in our hearts and transform us so that we may know the way that is right, the way that pleases you. God, that's what we want. We thank you that your word teaches us uh, the end of ourselves, the beginning of a true life found in Jesus Christ if we confess, repent, and believe. Thank you, God, for your wisdom. It's nothing we could have ever mustered up, nothing we could ever be smart enough to to figure out on our own. God, we try, but reveal that in us, break it down in us, show us the weakness of the world, and show us the wisdom of your word. Help us to love it. Help us to love it truly, not just say that, but truly, uh, deeply, affectionately. God, transform us by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.